Morning, everyone. Now, can I just take a sip of water? <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, I always say this. It, 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 it's always so weird when, when someone is going to say words like a dynamic speaker and, and all that. But God be praised for this morning, and we are trusting him that he is going to speak to us. Uh, through the topic of today, and the the title is "Be Holy." Uh, those who have heard me preach before will know that I'm not very good with titles, so don't be so I don't know um, rigid. Just allow some flexibility uh, with all the titles that I'm going to use, because now I, I want to talk about the subject of holiness. But I wanted to talk about it from the perspective of the truth. And I'm, I'm going to be clear from the outset that this is a very broad topic. So I'm not going to cover every single aspect that pertains to holiness just in this 20, 30 minutes that I'm going to be standing up here. But what I do trust is that we'll begin to maybe expose some of the lies that the enemy is feeding us pertaining to this particular topic. And we'll begin, or God will begin to shed some light into this very important truth pertaining to we, who we are as believers. So as, as, I, as I said, I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of the truth. But even in that, I'm going to begin by talking about four different categories of believers that we have in the body today. And these categories are not, again, as I said, rigid so when you, when you listen to them, don't try to fit yourself into this one. Because I do believe that w- with these categories, some, some of us, we fall in and out. Some of us are across all of them. Some of us have been in some of them, but we have since progressed. And sometimes you, you, you overcome, but you find yourself back into that particular, particular category. And the first one that I'm going to talk about is... A category of people within the body that are, uh, uh, forgive, as I said, the, the titles. But the first one is the ignorant. And when you, when you go to Genesis, uh, two incidences, in fact, maybe three, but pertaining to one particular person, Abraham, you find this occurrence in two in- instances. And I'm, I'm just going to read on, on this second one, which is Genesis chapter 20. So I'm not going to be reading everything because of time. So uh, some of the scriptures I'm going to read, some I'm not going to read. But in Genesis chapter 20, we find Abraham uh, going to Abimelech. And from verse 1, it's, it, it says, From there Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? 
and she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have not done this in the, oh sorry, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so, so that he will pray for you and you, sh- and you shall leave. For if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, and all who are yours. So that's the first group, those that are ignorant. And now, when I'm talking about ignorance, I'm not saying that they don't know anything about God or the scriptures, but I'm, I'm, I'm referring more pertaining to the events that unfold. You find that we, we find ourselves doing certain things, not necessarily because we don't love God or because we are disobedient, but just because we are ignorant. And then you have the second category. Second category, I, I would label it as the stubborn people. Uh, this, this, this scripture reading comes from Second Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I'm going to read from, from chapter 12 because of time, as I said. But just to quickly take you through the story for, for those who might not know, Second uh, Samuel chapter 11, this is the story of David and Bathsheba. David sees Bathsheba, takes her, but it is said immediately, he, he went and called for Uriah. Uriah was in battle because David, deep down, he knew that what he had done was wrong. So he went, so he devised a scheme to call Uriah back from the, from, from, from the fight so that Uriah can come and spend time with his wife so that whatever happens, it will seem as if it was not him but the husband. That's chapter 11, just summarizing. Come to chapter 12. This is uh, Nathan the prophet who is sent by God to speak to David concerning what he had done. And from verse 1 it reads, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There are two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had, which he had bought, and he children. It used to eat of his muscle and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or head to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you, O king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this, was, and, and if this were too little, I would, have, I, would add you, sorry, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the, of the Ammonites. Now therefore... 
the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be a wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and it shall lie with your wives in the sight of, of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, this category, the, the stubborn. This is a very interesting category of, of believers within the church because they know the truth. But in spite of them knowing the truth, they still walk in a lie. If you look at this story, Nathan came to David to tell him of the truth. And not that he did not already know the truth. He knew the truth. But he comes and tells him from another angle the truth concerning what he had done. But still, it did not dawn on him what exactly he had done. And this is a very interesting category because now, a lot of the times you find that as believers walking with each other, we are frustrated with each other frustrated with what we are seeing around us. We believe things should be this way, things should be that way, but we have told him he is not listening, he is this, he is that. I mean, pertaining to, to worship, things are supposed to be this way, pertaining to the preach, things are supposed to be this way. That's why, for example, when, when, when as I said earlier, those words are used and, and when people clap for preachers, I always find it a little bit disconcerting because I always ask myself, whom are you, preach, are you clapping for? The man or God? And a lot of the times, obviously, the outward response or the immediate response would be, I'm clapping for God. But deep down, what is happening in the church is that we have exchanged the lie, or sorry, the truth for the lie, where we're now celebrating the man rather than God, which should not be so because now, Pertaining to this story that we are on, this journey that we are on, it's not our story, it's not our journey. Now, if I stand here and say worship should be like this, preach should be like that, it means it's my story. This person should be doing this, that person should be doing that, it's not supposed to be this way, it's this way, it's this way. It means I'm writing my own story, and God is not. And the interesting side pertaining to that category is that we, we fall into it, but we don't realize that as long as we continue to resist what God is doing, we'll forever be walking around the mountain. Those people, those incidents will forever be with us. Because as much as maybe they may not be right, but they are there for a reason concerning God's story. God is using those stories not only for the people concerned, because you might find that, yes, there is a word that needs to be spoken concerning those people, but for you as well. Why are you so agitated? Everyone else is settled. Why are you so agitated, ready to pack and leave, and all these kind of things? Exchange the lie, sorry, the truth for the lie. On the surface, we want to appear as if it's all good and well, but deep down, we are not standing on the foundation, which is Christ. We've built our own foundations, and we have given those foundations labels and names and we call those foundations Christ but then when situations come, they expose the lie now, now the third category would be 
the people that I would say are warriors. If you go to Romans 7, uh, sorry, Romans 7, I'm going to start reading around about verse 19. Paul says from verse 19, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Let me repeat. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. If you, if you, if you go down a little bit, he, he's, he, he says, verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And when you go to Romans 8, it begins by saying, oh, no, no, actually, further down a little bit, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wretched men who, that I am, who will deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. And then chapter 8, it begins by him saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. This, this, this category is the category that recognizes that something is not right. Something somewhere within me is not right. They've moved away from looking externally, but they're now beginning to examine themselves. They're now beginning to say, instead of me focusing on what I'm seeing around me, on that person, this thing, and, and so on, I'm going to spend time looking within. And when they do find whatever is not right, it doesn't mean that they have the answers. It doesn't mean that they readily overcome. But what it does mean is that they are ready to engage in warfare. They are ready to wrestle with whatever it is that they are going through. They are not willing to accept the fact that things are the way that they are. Because, you know, uh, someone once gave, gave uh, uh, this, this, in fact, it was a story. It was not a testimony. It was just a story. He's walking out of the house. The dog follows he chases the dog back. Further down, the dog comes back. Chases the dog back again. Further down, the dog comes back again. Now he's tired. So what does he do? He puts a leash around the dog and he walks with the dog to wherever he's going. If you look at that picture, the wrestling, you wrestle to a point where the enemy is defeated. You never allow a situation where you put a leash and you accept it. You walk along with it. You never ever allow that. Doesn't matter how long it takes you. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter even if it appears that for now you are the most defeated believer out there. But you continue wrestling. Because when you, when you, when you really look at it, that is where the victory lies, really. This idea that the victory lies, I think I've shared this before. This idea that the victory lies in me overcoming Overcoming is actually a bonus if you look at it. The victory lies in you understanding that you wrestling is your victory. Understanding that the wrestling will never go away as long as you're still on this earth. Because sometimes with this idea of overcoming, you, you, we, we begin to have this, this outlook that says, I'm going to overcome, thereafter everything is going to be fine. Which is why we're now continuously doing this. Because things are fine, so I'm on a high. But then another attack comes. 
But now if you change your mindset, you change your perspective on these things, you begin to now walk closer to this rather than to continuously be going down. Because walking closer to this, you have now removed it from overcoming but you have now placed it solely on the fact that Christ overcame. So what I'm walking in are the finished works regardless of the outward manifestations. Because yeah. yeah. the outward manifestations may say that you are being defeated. But by faith, you are walking with Christ. You are seated with him in the heavenlies. So that's your reality, not what you are seeing. Yeah. Then the fourth category... I'll say, are the the soft-hearted. If you go to Acts chapter 18, I'm going to begin uh, right at the beginning. Um, No, in fact, not at the beginning. I'm going to start from verse 24. From verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he, he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. The last category that I'm going to talk of is, as I said, the, the soft-hearted. In this category, we have been working with God for a very long time. We have been reading the Bible over and over again for a very long time. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 5, he says, You search the scriptures thinking that in them is eternal life, but eternal life is in me. Because sometimes when we walk with God, when we know the scriptures so much, we've read the Bible so much, we begin now to be puffed up. We begin now to have this sort of arrogance, if I can call it that, where we allow nothing else to come our way. We only want to give out because we now see ourselves as some sort of authority. We know because we've read this scripture, I can quote this, I can quote that. That's why sometimes it's so difficult to speak with people who belong to this category because everything that you say, they will quote scripture back. In fact, they will give you even better scriptures. Maybe you just know one, they will give you ten. But the interesting thing about, about Apollos, Apollos says he was eloquent. And he, he, he knew the scriptures. He was well versed in the scriptures. But he allowed Priscilla and Aquila to teach him. So in this category, it, one of the most dangerous things that we have to look out for in this particular category is for us to always strive to have a, a teachable spirit. Because the, the, the plan and the design of God is that he is building the body. He's not building Chris. He's not building Colin, Sfiso, or any one person. He's building the body. So in that design, what he's doing is that he's putting one thing in this one, another in that one, another in that one, but combined, we get to see the whole picture. So which means you can read the Bible a thousand times, heal a million people, you still don't have it all. 
you still need the person who was saved yesterday. Having been saved for 20 years, you still need to allow yourself to listen to the person because as I was saying earlier, we are not celebrating the man, but we're celebrating God because it's his plan. And because it's his plan, we're not looking at how long you've been saved, or, uh, how well do you know the scriptures, but we are looking towards the spirit. With what spirit are you saying what you're saying? Is it the spirit of God that is making you to say what you're saying, or are you just saying because of your mind? That is what we, 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 we are searching for. And now, the, the, the question then would be, what, what do all these scriptures, number one, have in common, number two, have to do with holiness? If you look at all these categories, one common thread runs through, and that is the truth. You have a group of people or individuals who were in this space, the truth came, they moved into another space. Except maybe for the second category. Because with the second category, I think, I think, I think we have to accept that with the second category, one of the things that is very important, that is the stubborn, is that God's grace we also have to allow. We can't solely rely on that we've spoken the truth. I've told him the truth. He's supposed to be doing this. She's supposed to be doing that because she knows the truth. Sometimes it does not take the truth for things to happen, but it takes the grace of God. All because, again, coming back, it's his story. Ours is to say, Lord, I want to be a a vessel worthy of honor. I want to be a vessel that you can use. So if God says now, okay, go and speak this word to that person, because that's where this person is. You go speak the word. You don't now wait. You're like waiting to see what, what's going to happen. Because sometimes it, it will not happen. It will not happen. In fact, now, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of a story when um, some, some years back, I think I was maybe like two years into my journey. Someone asked me this question. They said, How many people have been saved through your preaching or your sharing of the word? Yo, it troubled me. I was shaken. (laughs) Because at the time, I think I could count maybe like three, four. But here's the thing. Years later, working with God, and God now beginning to show me his truth, I began to see that that question is wrong. On the surface, it, it has an appearance of good. But actually, it's not the correct question. And that's always the case. When, when you begin from the wrong starting point, you'll always end up at the wrong conclusion. Because now, the starting point that I had is that there's something that I need to do other than just to be obedient and say, Lord, here I am. To a point now where I have to speak a word and wait for the word. And have a little notebook, count, tick, one, tick, two, three. And I remember we went to Zambia. And coming back from Zambia, of, of course, that trip was more about evangelizing. So obviously there, there's a lot of people who are now saved. So you come back feeling, oh, good, yes. My notebook is full now. So many people are saved. 
But what does that mean, really? What does that mean? Because in the day and age that we're living in, sometimes you see salvations, but all that has happened is that the people have been stirred emotionally, but God is not in it. So if that's going to be your only basis, the raising of the hand, and then you say it's done, then you're being misled. Because this story, as I said, it's about God. So sometimes you might plant a seed and that seed you find that it is key to someone getting saved but you will never see it coming to fruition. Does it mean that you have not done anything? Certainly not. Because one plants, one waters but it is God who gives the increase. But the increase came because someone planted, someone watered and then God gave the increase. So all of these people are necessary. So now we can't celebrate the one who who spoke the last word and overlook everyone else who was involved leading up to this person getting saved. The truth is the foundation. Because coming back to holiness, holiness, like so many words, especially Hebrew, you find that it has many different meanings. One of those meanings is sacred, worthy of reverence, set apart by God and for God, morally blameless, upright, in a way sinless, which, which is with, with this one. I think this is where we get, most likely this is where we get this, this, this phrase, holier than thou. Because I think, I think somehow that has been the definition that has stood above everything else. Morally blameless, sinless, upright, and so on. So, which now leads us to this space where if you walk up to many believers and say, or ask the question, are you holy? They will be very uncomfortable. The brave ones will say no. But most would, would just mumble and, 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 and not really be able to respond. Because I think when we examine ourselves, we know that who can say that I'm sinless? No one. So if that's the definition of holiness, and someone asks you, are you holy? Of course you're going to struggle to respond. But that's not the only definition of holiness. Another definition of holiness is different. Unlike other. When we're talking about the otherness of God, God in many different instances in the Bible, he says, I alone am God. There is no other God besides me. Do not worship any other God and so on. That's the otherness of God. So when you, when you look at it, we can maybe reasonably say that the definition should go something like this, that you are set apart by God for his glory which then means you are different. Set apart by God for his glory, which means you are different. You are unlike any other which is out there in the world. That's who you are. And now, if that's our starting point for holiness, what what we, we now begin to see Set apart by God, you have no part in that. For his glory, you have no part in that. Therefore, you are different. 
still you have no part in that because that's what he has decreed concerning who you are. This idea that says when we look at holiness, it pertains to things that you have to do or things that you have to be, it now, in a way, excludes God. It removes him from the picture and places you at the center because now you are the one who has to satisfy all the requirements of holiness. Does this mean that now, by me saying that, that I'm, I'm, I'm maybe saying morally blameless, upright and, and, and sinless and all of that are less important? No ways. But all that I'm saying is that that can't be your starting point. If that's your starting point, it's going to overwhelm you. Because this body in which we're in is born into sin. If, if, if you look at, at uh, 2 Corinthians, let me, let, let me just read it quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. It comes from the Lord. We are being transformed. But the transformation comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from us. So which means our starting point is that in terms of the question, am I holy? Yes, I am holy. Because I'm different. I'm set apart. By God and for his glory. Therefore, I'm holy. But does it mean now pertaining to holiness, that is all that there is pertaining to holiness? Certainly not. But it's a journey. I start somewhere and I'm walking towards. If, if you look at it, no one could ever, even if you were to live a hundred years, no one could ever say, I've fulfilled all the requirements. But we are constantly walking towards. That's our story. The same as what I said earlier. That our, our story is not so much as to say, I, 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 I preached and so many people got saved. But ours is to say, my story is to stand and surrender my life to him to be used by him. That's my story. Now he begins to work a work in you. But you also have to begin from that point where you say, I'm different. And being different, what does that mean? If, if now you say, I'm different. It does mean that you are not going to begin to process things as the world does. Your reality and the reality of the world are two different things. For you are set apart. You do not allow the lie of the enemy to be a part of who you are. So which means when something is happening in your life, doesn't matter what it is. You look at the categories. You begin to see where you are fitting. Are you being stubborn? Even though the truth is being spoken. Or are you allowing the truth of God to penetrate and do the work? Because... Another, another very interesting thought is this. We, we hear sermons every Sunday. When does the word of God begin to be effective in your life? 
Is there a point where you say, after having listened for 10 sermons, then it's going to become effective? For now, I'm just, you know, abiding my time up until I get to 10. When do you begin to say, I've had enough of the word of God? I'm equipped enough to begin to live out the very things that I've had. Because I think, I, think, I think it's very easy to come and listen and listen. I mean, when you go to Acts chapter 17 uh, in, in Athens, it is said they, 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 they just wanted nothing else but to hear and tell of something new. That's what they lived for. They just want to hear something new and tell about something new. Oh, that someone was so good. Oh, he said this, he said that. But where is the process of examining, sitting down internally and beginning to process your issues? Because this body that Christ is building is made up of members. And as long as the members are not where they are called to be, the body will always reflect that. You will always have a broken body. A body with issues and all these kind of things that are not supposed to be there because a lot of the times, or at the moment, we have allowed this spirit that says, It's okay. You are saved, just float. It's coming. It's been coming for 10 years, but it's still coming, and you're okay with that. There needs to come a time where we draw the line and begin to say, I'm a warrior for Christ. I will not accept this. I am holy, I am set apart by God for his glory, and this reality is not what I'm called to. Because of that, it doesn't mean now that I'm, I need to do away the things that are not supposed to be there. Look at my own behaviors, my patterns, and so on, and begin to see the lies from the truth. Because I can tell you this, it's very difficult for you to walk in a manner that you're called to if you spend hours and hours watching TV, hours and hours on, on social media. You would spend five hours on social media and ten minutes on the word. Even less praying. But ultimately, somehow, the back of your mind, you, 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 you are very confident that it's going to get you somewhere. I'm going to be very blunt. It's not. If you want to walk this journey, as you know deep down that you're supposed to, Examine yourself. Examine your issues. See the lies from the truth. And trust God. Let us pray. Our Father, our Lord, our King. In your name, Lord Jesus, we bow. We worship you, our Lord. This is the day that you have made. And we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Not because we've done anything, our King, but because you are in it. You knew us, Lord, before we were formed. You know everything pertaining to our lives, our issues, our shortcomings. And even now, our Lord, I'm just praying, break down all the walls, oh Father, that are preventing us from walking into everything that you've called us to. Break down the walls, expose the lies, oh King. For you said you are holy, and we should be holy. Today, let us walk out of here with that mindset that indeed we are set apart for your glory, O King. In Jesus' name, amen.